and welcome. If the spirit moves you, please follow if you're listening and subscribe if you're watching. With either, please like and comment as I'm your grateful host, Dan Riley. It is my hope this podcast brings you wit, wonder, and wisdom. That this philosophy of 3,000 years will reach the chambers and magazines of your souls. Failing to do that would be like plunging a dagger straight into my heart. This is the second podcast in what I call speech content. The first being on what I believe to be the most important component of speech content, storytelling. I'll put a link in the description to both that podcast and the one on speech mechanics for those unfamiliar with the concept and the distinction between the two. Today, I'm going to talk about rhetorical devices, which in my mind are a close second to storytelling as a component of speech content. So what are rhetorical devices? They are techniques both writers and speakers use to deliver their words with maximum impact. These devices use language that have an artistic flair, sound pleasing, and are designed to evoke an emotional response, which in turn makes the reader or listener more susceptible to the speaker's argument, point, or position. In short, their message becomes more compelling and persuasive than it otherwise would have been. Here are a couple of examples of rewording a simple sentence using a rhetorical device. Mrs. Terry's students were misbehaving. Mrs. Terry's classroom was a friggin' zoo. Our teacher, Mrs. Terry, is too serious. Mrs. Terry is a dragon lady. So as not to be confused by the term rhetorical devices, it is used interchangeably with several other terms, literary device, persuasive device, and stylistic device, to name just three. In classic terms, there are over 40 rhetorical devices labeled mostly in Greek words that I can hardly pronounce. In colloquial terms, rhetorical devices and figure of speech are used interchangeably, although there is a slight difference, but that's how I'll use them during this podcast, interchangeably. After years and years of studying rhetorical devices and having made a conscious habit of looking for them in most every speech I listen to, here are what I believe to be the divine nine devices as far as effectiveness in the world of commerce. I need to make that distinction here. If I were to be advising politicians, the list would be different. Here we go. My divine nine Rule number one, rule of three, pretty straightforward. It states that any idea, thoughts, events, characters, or sentences that are presented in threes are more effective and memorable. I listed this as number one because there are so many applications and derivatives of this device. The primary one is that it can be used in tandem with many other devices. Other names for the same concept are hendiatrist, tripartite moto, triad, and tricolon. Essentially, they are all referring to the same concept. Some simple examples, friends, Romans, and countrymen, wine, women, and song, and lock, stock, and barrel. When used in written prose, it's called parallel structure. I forgave you when you lost my cat. I forgave you when you left me at the airport. 
And I forgave you when you threw out my favorite stuffed animal. I forgave you was used three times. The rule of three comes from the fact that our brains are always searching for patterns. And three is the smallest number that can create a pattern. Thus, the combination of brevity, pattern recognition, and rhythm make for a powerful rhetorical device. Number two is metaphor. This is a figure of speech in which a word or phrase makes a direct comparison stating it as another thing, or a statement or phrase that is nonsensical or unrealistic. This is a common device among speakers, novelists, poets, and songwriters, and in my opinion, is the principal reason why, by comparison, academic and business speak are so often considered boring and sterile. They tend to lack metaphors. Juliet is the sun. Advertising is the rattling of a stick inside a swill bucket. My brother's a piglet. How about these lines from famous speeches? To ride out the storm of war, America has tossed its cap over the wall of space. And the wolves are at the door. Of course, these phrases or sentences are not literally true, but they create vivid images in the listener's mind. And by activating the imagination, a speaker can stimulate the emotions of the listeners. Number three. Alliteration. This is the repetition, two or more times, of the same consonant or sound of words used closely together. The most famous would be, let's see if I can do this, Peter Piter picked a peck of pickled peppers. And another popular one is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Here is a line from Lincoln, in whose symbolic shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. In poetry, the ship sailed and sank like the Titanic. Love's labors lost. He was four times a father, this fighter prince. In song, they paid paradise and put up a parking lot. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. Helplessly hoping her harlequin hovers nearby. Look at the names of some of our most popular businesses. Coca-Cola, Dunkin' Donuts, Weight Watchers, and Bed Bath & Beyond. The chief reason speakers should use alliterations is because they sound pleasing, which makes them memorable. This simple fact of sounding pleasing is wholly underestimated, widely underused, and woefully discounted in the world of business today. Number four is anaphora. When a word or expression is used at the beginning of successive phrases or sentences, who can forget Winston Churchill claiming, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, and we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. Or Martin Luther King, somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly, somewhere I read of the freedom of speech, somewhere I read of the freedom of the press, somewhere I read of the right to protest for rights. And John Kennedy, in his famous inaugural address, to those old allies, to those new states, to those people, anaphora serves the purpose of delivering an artistic effect to a speech. 
When a speaker repeats a phrase, the listeners start to anticipate the next line, hence being drawn into the speech as a football fan is to his team. Brady the Gronk, touchdown Buccaneers. Number five, personification. When an inanimate object or concepts are represented with human qualities and characteristics. The wind howled in the night. Nature never wears a mean appearance. Speak to the hand that wrote all, said the sun. The wind leapt through the ocean window and scattered across the tile floor. This device stretches the boundaries of reality to make a speech more vivid, which helps the audience assimilate concepts and ideas that might otherwise be more difficult. And number six. Analogy. This is like metaphor and similes in that it makes a comparison. It describes one thing in the terms of another thing. In the movie Hearts in Atlantis, Anthony Hopkins' character claimed fighting for peace is like fornicating for chastity. Author E.B. White uses this memorable example of an analogy. Explaining a joke is like dissecting a frog. You understand it better, but the frog dies in the process. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. The purpose of analogy is to explain or clarify something unfamiliar or difficult to understand with an idea or object that is more clearly understood. Or, in some cases, it's used to demonstrate the absurdity of a statement, as did Hopkins' character in Hearts in Atlantis. Number seven, light toadies. This device is a figure of speech that utilizes negative wordings or terms to express a positive assertion or statement. Some simple examples, you're not wrong, your effort has not gone unnoticed, I can't disagree with your logic. Disney movies routinely use this device. This is no ordinary lamp. Sometimes the right path is not the easiest one. He's no Prince Charming. By using like toadies, the speaker is intentionally understating her message, thus creating an ironic effect. When she says, I don't hate it, she is actually saying, I like it, without saying so. Listen, and you'll find this device everywhere in our culture, especially in the business world. Okay, number eight. Amplification. This is a method of embellishing something just said by repeating it or adding to it, usually with adjectives. Before I explain it further, let me explain what it is not. For those in the corporate world, it is not the repeating of the same bullet points for the umpteenth time at yet another insufferable business meeting. As a rhetorical device, amplification is a favorite among skilled speakers. In the movie Patch Adams, Robin Williams was charged with practicing medicine without a license. After answering a series of incriminating questions about treating patients at the ranch with a simple yes, he finally adds this amplification to the answer yes. And yes, the patients were doctors. Jim Rohn says every home over $500,000 has a library in it. You need to read books, books, books. <laughs> MLK, America has given us a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds.
Number nine, my last one, antithesis. This device, a speaker, pairs exact opposite or contrasting ideas by utilizing the parallel structure. Here are some simple examples in everyday life. Go big or go home. No pain, no gain. No guts, no glory. Here are lines from three famous speeches using antithesis. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. Some men see things as they are and say why. I dream of things that were never were and say why not. This is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Not only does this device have a pleasing sound, it enables a speaker to highlight the stark differences between opposing ideas. By placing them side to side, he augments and amplifies the point he is making. There you have it. My Divine Nine. Free of charge, I've linked this presentation in the description below. By employing the use of these literary devices, a speaker or presenter can move beyond the listener's staid dimension of intellect and move into the rarefied stratosphere of emotions. And that's where the gold is. As with storytelling, the use of rhetorical devices can transform the mundane, humdrum, and monotonous speaker into a wizard, a virtuoso, a spellbinder. This podcast is loaded with rhetorical devices, some enumerated, many not. In the comments below, feel free to identify any rhetorical device you have discovered other than the ones I've enumerated. And for my part, that's all there is. Please follow if you are listening and subscribe if you are watching. With either, please like or comment. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bullets. Sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade We're on the move.